Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 39. RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast where I interview nomadic entrepreneurs who are running a business while traveling full-time. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Eric Hannon from SureLooksNice.com. Eric and his wife, Danielle, have been traveling all over the United States in their Road Warrior fifth wheel since June of 2014. Eric previously ran his own direct marketing company with over 100 employees and now runs his own social media marketing company specifically for RV dealerships. He's also done sales consulting for Fortune 500 companies, small businesses, and entrepreneurs. A few things we talk about today on this episode is how to do sales on the road. How do you launch a business and actually find your first new clients, get past gatekeepers, and land new business? How do you utilize constructive feedback to improve your business and sales pitch over time? Because it's kind of like a product. You don't just start out of the gate and have an amazing sales pitch. It's something you have to put out there in the world. Everyone hates it, thinks it's terrible. Then you iterate and improve over time. Okay, maybe not everyone's as terrible in the beginning, but you get the point. How do you actually reach small business owners? And how do you balance the time between work and travel on the road? Eric has a family, and he's got a little one, his wife. And so how does he actually spend time between building his business, getting new clients, providing their services, and travel and time with his family because it's definitely a huge struggle for a lot of people including myself and so what does that actually look like is something we dig into today on the show today's episode is sponsored by leisure travel vans while Alyssa and i don't own a leisure travel van i've probably been one of their loudest vocal advocates over the past two years when i'm having a conversation with someone about rvs i inevitably bring up leisure travel vans why they're what i call the apple of rvs copyright pending. In a sea of RVs that have big bulky brown cabinets everywhere on the interior, they are beautifully designed and have more of a sleek, stylish interior than your typical motorhome or van. In addition to being beautifully designed, all of the leisure travel vans run off a Mercedes-Benz 3500 Sprinter chassis with a 3-liter V6 diesel engine under the hood, which means leisure travel vans will climb mountains and give you 15 to 19 miles a gallon which is awesome and literally double the gas mileage that we are getting right now in our Class A motorhome. And they also build some of the rigs off the Ford Transit chassis as well. Of all the features that originally attracted me to the Leisure Travel Van, it was actually the layout of the interior of their RVs that I first noticed. When Alyssa and I bought our first Class C RV, I played with the idea of removing our queen-size bed from the back of the RV and having a sleep on the overhead or the loft above the cab bed. This way, we could turn the back of the RV into additional living or workspace. The bed in the back just takes up so much room and you're not using it throughout the day. Leisure Travel Vans is one of the only RV manufacturers that has actually done something about this by installing a Murphy bed to fold down into the living room area of the RV. This way, throughout the day, you can work, eat, and hang out, and then in the evening, fold down the bed and go to sleep. This completely opens up the back of the RV for a significantly larger bathroom or additional living workspace, both of which are options in Leisure Travel Vans. No, we are not getting a new motorhome, another new motorhome. We're still very happy with our Winnebago Brave. I'm just a big fan of the Leisure Travel Vans, the product they've built, and the team they have in place, and was honored to give them a shout-out on the show. All right, let's get into today's show with Eric Cannon. Today on the podcast, I'm interviewing Eric Cannon from ShoreLooksNice.com. Eric, thanks for being on the show with me, man. Thanks. Good to be here. So I'm, I'm pumped to dig into your story for a couple different reasons, but one, a lot of people have asked about figuring out how to do sales while on the road. Like, how do you reach out? How do you get new clients and things like that? And I want to hear your story in a sec, but 
I'm really excited to dig into that because it seems like you have all this crazy amount of experience in selling stuff. Like this is your forte. I mean, in a world where we're living behind computers and through text messaging and Snapchat and Instagram, you're like picking up the phone and calling people. I mean, I guess that's still a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not dead. <laughs> and and the interesting thing about marketing is when there's not a lot of people doing it, it's there's big opportunity. You mean just there, when there's not a lot of people just picking up the phone and calling someone? It's, yep. it's kind of like, oh, someone just picked up the phone and called me? Right. <laughs> so when you guys you guys hit the road, I think, a month after Alyssa and I did in 2014, it was it was uh, June or something like mm-hmm. that? Yep, yep. Yeah, so you guys have been on the road two and a half years or so. When you when y'all first hit the road, was this supposed to be a six-month period of time where you just take time off for a year and go explore? Or what was kind of the thoughts that you guys had going into hitting the road? Yeah, so in, in short, we were living out in Orange County, California, and my wife wanted to move to the East Coast. Well, we wanted to settle down and buy a house and have kids, and we realized that we wanted to do it outside of California, so we had this debate. Do we do it in Minnesota, where I'm from? Maryland, where she's from, and she won because she she thinks Minnesota's too cold. So I said, <laughs> okay, look, I love you. I'll go to Maryland with you, but I want one last big adventure. Let's travel, buy an RV, and travel for six months. And it was only going to be for six months until we ro- relocated, and uh, and now two and a half years, and, and and we don't have any plans on stopping anytime soon. So you pretty much conned her into this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, pretty interesting. We never, you know, if you look back, we never would have expected that this would be a reality. Yeah. I mean, it really was a surprise. And you guys, I mean, so give, to give people context about your story, because I already know this because we talked, but you started a company that was a direct marketing company, and essentially you guys had one major client, but it was a big deal. So can you kind of explain that company that you started out in California and how that started you down this trajectory of, you know, all-star sales guy? Yeah. Um, so back when I was 25, I moved to California. And after a very short amount of time of being there, I started a company that was direct sales and marketing, and we represented AT&T their U-verse when it was, it was just in conception. It wasn't the thing yet and people didn't know about it. So our campaign was to help grow their, their sales for this new product. And we just, we, we crushed it and not only crushed it. I mean, we, it was just crazy, the growth. And then we opened an office in San Diego and Fresno and it was nuts. And 2008 happened and um, had a huge learning experience which was probably one of the best things that, that had ever happened to me, um, which caused me to shut down my business and move on to other things. And then I ended up uh, working for a company called iBank.com and was a managing director there. And then I was there until we hit the road. Yeah. And so when you guys, so around six months in, you guys are on the road and walk me through the process of where you guys decided this is awesome. We don't want to give up this lifestyle. Because uh, I think everyone kind of goes into it with this predisposition that it's going to be the set amount of time. And then at some point, uh, you're just thinking to yourself, man, this is freaking awesome. I am traveling the country full time in an RV. This is cool. And I don't want to give it up. So what w- what happened for you guys that you decided you wanted to keep up this lifestyle? Yeah. So we had a, a set budget that we put aside that we said, OK, this is this is the amount of money that if this goes away, the trip is done. 
And we loved it right away. It was amazing. But to Danielle, I think, meant, I mean, to both of us, it was just a trip. It was just because um, that's all it was supposed to be. But after a while, we really, it became a lifestyle and it became just a blast. I mean, we've lived in 43 states in two and a half years. We've We've lived and worked in some of the most scenic areas of the country. I mean, it was unbelievable. So then I just, as a serial entrepreneur, you know, of course I, I thought, well, I want to keep this going. How do we do it? And Danielle said, look, if you come up with this monthly amount of income, I'm okay with doing it for a little bit longer. <laughs> so I, you know, who I've got a chance. So we got down to around 10 days left in our trip. Wait, and- before, before you get into this, I want to know, because somebody who is entrepreneurial like you and is a sales guy and is out pitching people, you probably went into this thinking like there's going to be, I would think there's some kind of business or something that you could do while on the road. Like I know this at some point, this was probably in the back of your mind, right? Like you, you were, you were probably your wheels were turning throughout this period, trying to figure something out that, you know, would enable you guys to keep traveling. Or was it something that you just waited till the last minute? No, no, no. I bet the whole <laughs> time. And actually, so we started our travel blog with a goal that it would become something. I didn't know what it would become. I just knew that there's a. it's very marketable to have a big following of people in a very specific niche. So that's to document our travels and to make sure that we had some way to position ourselves for an opportunity in the future. That's exactly why we started the blog. That's why I, I spent countless nights, you know, just typing away to try to add value and document the experiences. So we took that and it was really funny, you know, with all my experience and business background, we had, as we were traveling, I, I wanted to find a source of income and, or a way to start a company and utilize our leverage, our position to, you know, in this market space. So we got really close to that number where Danielle was like, all right, we're going to buy a house. And she started to get excited about it. And so of all places, I looked in Craigslist for, <laughs> I, I was just browsing around and I saw this company was looking for a blogger. And I said, well, if I'm blogging, I mean, I could probably make money for blogging for someone else. It happened to be an RV dealership, a very large one. And we ended up working out a deal where they were going to sponsor us and pay us a good amount of money to just travel the country and write about our adventures, et cetera, uh, do their social media. Well, they, after uh, we agreed on everything, they drug their feet, they got really busy, which is fine, except, you know, we were at that number and Danielle was saying, hey, look, you know, this, uh, you can't get a hold of them. We're going to have to shut this thing down. And just to, to note something in there, it's like, I, I don't know about you, Eric, you've been doing a business a little bit longer than I have, but whenever I've had opportunities like that, that have come in and someone's like, I'm going to pay you this amount to do this. And it's like way more than you've ever been paid to do anything. And it just seems way too good to be true. Almost every time in those circumstances for me, it almost has been too good to be true. I don't know if that's been the case for you, but in this situation where someone's like, I'm going to pay you $5,000 or something to just go out and travel with no string, with barely any strings attached, it's like, well, that sounds a little bit too good to be true. And then it didn't come through, right? Right. It didn't pan <laughs> out. Um, and that number kept dwindling down a little bit. And it just really became became a headache because we were ready to go. You know, our, our clock was ticking on when we had to make moves on this. And entrepreneurs, I mean, I, I hate the waiting game. I want to go out and make it happen. Um, so I had this, this bell went off in my head. It was so loud that, look, if these guys needed these services, social media services, and, and we're experts at it, 
why couldn't we do it for other dealerships? And then it, it just seemed so simple. Well, I can't believe it took so long to figure it out. So then it was game on. Uh, that night, I built a website. Had you know, I'm I'm not a web builder. We just figured it out, put it together, uh, the two of us, Danielle and I, and uh, I started coming up with, okay, here's my pitch, you know, here's my script. So then then I I found a list and the next day I started cold calling. Um, We were in Las Vegas at uh, at a thousand trails RV resort. And we, I, I, 5 a.m. I started calling because I was eight o'clock on the East coast and just started calling all day. And my pitch was terrible. I had no idea what I was doing, but that goes back to what I was going to say, but that goes back to sales 101 is the more you do it, the more you're going to refine your script. You're going to – so every single night I had documented why people said no and then I just – I grilled Danielle. Okay, they said no because of this and so she would tell me no and I would handle those objections and we would keep drilling things and then we'd go back and, and you know, it was really interesting. Our website, we thought it was the best thing ever <laughs> and it was so bad but there was somebody. It was a campground owner and – I'm so grateful for it. He had the the confidence to reach out to us and say, hey, you sent us this. It's really terrible. So I called him to thank him and I said, I need specifics. Why is it bad? Where is it bad? You know, and he took the time, like 30 minutes out of his time to, you know, busy business owner. He had a lot of campgrounds that he owned and he gave us incredible feedback. So then every night we were updating the website. And again, this is back to we had when I made that decision that we have to figure it out. We had ten days before we were that budget number was hit and, and it was going to be over. Yeah. So something you said you said at this point we're already social media experts. So at this point you had you guys done a ton of social media or was it just a point where you're like I I, I understand social media I I can probably provide value to a campground or had you actually spent a lot of time researching that craft and really learning a lot about, you know, how to get the benefits out of social media from a business perspective. Right. So back when I had been working with iBank, I ran all the sales and the marketing. So I had to learn social media and I I was trained by a very, very good guy in social media. He's one of the top guys in the country at the time and probably still. So I had a lot of experience in managing the social media there and uh, for a few other companies. So when we started doing our travel blogging, then we had built out our social media and expected to use that to leverage dealerships to say, hey, you know, we've got some track record here. We know what we're doing. Although it's very different doing it for a travel blog and for an RV dealership. But really, the concepts are, are the same. If you can get traction, if you can get results, uh, if you can add value, then you can do a good job in, in really any field. Yeah. And it's it's so funny. Our our stories are remarkably similar. First of all, we're both, you know, pretty salesy guys. I would say that I am, you know, for the most part. I I did sales in college and I mean not in college, but after college and job and software and all that good stuff. And it's like we both left. We had a set period of months that we were going to have income wise. So we said, listen, I I think we said we're gonna set aside, I don't know, I think ten to twelve grand and that's the maximum amount that we're gonna spend in our first six to seven months. And if we can't find a way to supplement our income during that time, we'll come home. So, you know, if we can't figure out a way that we'll just be this awesome trip and we'll come back and, you know, get back to our lives. But hopefully we're going to use this time as to build up runway to get out there and hustle on the road. And, you know, it's weird because from a, if, if I was smarter, I would have just been like, oh, I'll just build up a business, then take it on the road. But I think in part, we may have done it the difficult way, or maybe it was a smart way. I don't know. But then 
almost your next step was similar to ours. You found, you know, low hanging fruit opportunities, which was, you know, blogging, you know, you're already doing it, you know, you know, a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there for some guest posts. It's like, well, it's freelance income. It's, you know, it's subsidizing the travel costs because you're already doing it. And so naturally, and then you're just finding a need moving forward at this point, you're kind of just like, I need to find more opportunities. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So you guys are 10 days out uh, from, you know, losing or hitting this end of this financial runway and you're just calling these businesses. So walk me through that process. Yeah. So I would from sunup to sundown or before sunup and after sundown, I was just pounding the phone and just getting crushed. But as I refined things, I, I got more confident. I felt better, but I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't taking breaks. I was literally other than going to the bathroom from when I started to when I finished, that was it. So, so how are these, how are these calls going? Like if, if I pick up the phone and I'm like, hello, you know, Bob's RV shop or a service, you know, how, how may I help you? And like, what would you say? Yeah. So once you've got a Bob on the phone, then at first I probably said, Hey, I'm a travel blogger. I want to do your social media. I mean, something similar. Uh, you want to have a good introduction, a good short story explaining who you are, what you're doing, and then presentation, what's in it for them. So I had, I had that, but I didn't really understand, you know, it's been refined over time. So now it would just simply be, Hey, Bob, we're, my wife and I are full-time travel bloggers. We're also marketing experts. What are you doing for your social media currently? You know, and, and ask them questions to assess their needs. I mean, it really is that basic. Once I understand what they're doing and how we can help, then I just present a solution. Yeah. And had, and have you had trouble getting through some of the gatekeepers, like the guy that's working at the front desk and he's like, you know, what, we're trying to, you know, we're backed up for 10 months here at our RV shop. You know, what do we need you for? So, I mean, did you have any of that in the beginning? I'm sure you did. No, no. Um, really? So one of the, yeah, one of the techniques that I learned a long time ago is if I'm looking for a decision maker, so let's say um, you're a, a gatekeeper, you know, as they're called. So you pick up the phone and I'm looking for Heath. Instead of saying, hi, I'm, you know, is Heath Padgett available? You you don't want to sound salesy. You want to sound like yeah, you're their friend. friend. So I just say, Heath, please. That's it. Heath, please. <laughs> That's it. And then they say, what's it in regarding? You know, it's, uh, well, tell them it's Eric. That's it. So anytime, you know, the tough gatekeeper is going to say, well, what's it in regarding? And then a true sales master is going to say, tell them it's Eric. That's it because the secretary is going to say, the gatekeeper is going to say, well, tell them it's obviously they're on a first name. They're going to pass it through every single time or at least 90% of the time. And it's all about increasing your percentages once you get everything systematic. Interesting. So talk to me. So what actually happened? How did you end up actually getting some clients? Because if you didn't find any clients by the end of this 10 days, like Danielle is going to pretty much drop the, what is it called? The gauntlet or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, like, we're going to buy a house. So what we happened? House with a white picket fence. Um, so after Danielle finally got me to take a break, she's like, look, I'm going to Walmart to buy some supplies. You need to come with me. You need to take a break. And so this was, I think we had two days left um, before that number, you know, it was in. And I had heard nothing but no. So she got me to go to Walmart to buy some supplies. And we were there and, and she said, look, you just have to face the fact that the trip's going to be over, you know, and just enjoy your last few days. So I, I didn't like that. Um, <laughs> I, had to, I had to, I mean, that the challenge went off in me. So I got angry with myself that I hadn't closed the deal and I 
promised her um, that there's no way I'm, someone's going to tell me no. I'm going to stay on the phone till, until uh, they hang up. Well, the first call the next morning was to a dealership in Florida, and I got through my presentation, and it was dead silent. And one of the things about sales is when they're silent after you present, they're thinking, don't interrupt, don't talk. And so he said, okay, you say plan C is the best option. I'll take that. I couldn't believe it. It, it blew my head. I mean, I, Danielle was sleeping. We were in a class C RV. So we had like, um, our door wasn't like a solid door. And I pulled <laughs> back the curtain door and I'm, and she's still sleeping. I put it on mute and I'm, I'm screaming to her that they said, yes, they said, yes. I mean, it just, it was incredible. So then so I was plan, plan C was like the option level that they could buy as far as like what services you're providing them. Right. Yep. So we have okay. plan B, C, D. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And that plan C was $1,500 a month, every single month. So I couldn't believe it. Then I, I took it off mute and yeah, we could do that for it. You know, trying to act all, <laughs> but then it was really interesting later that day. Uh, one thing about sales is when you're hot, you're hot and you're so confident. So a lot of people, when they close a big deal, they take the rest of the day off. That's when you immediately jump back on the phone. So I did that. And then the next call was another plan C, another $1,500 a month. And then the next day one came in and it was incredible. We had four or five clients within those next two days and uh, we had hit our number and, and the trip was on. It was really just, uh, it was unbelievable, the timing. It's crazy. And uh, you must be somebody who's just like out, I don't know the right word for it, but you know, your back's up against the wall and we talked about this. It's, it's, it kind of makes you angry or something. It's you, you have, you have no other choice, but to have to figure out a way to make it happen because you don't want to put your family in that type of situation. And it's not like you were sacrificing food or anything. It was just the trip was going to be over. You guys weren't going to be homeless. So I know it wasn't an irresponsible sort of thing, but in a certain way, I'm sure there was this motivating factor inside of you that was just saying, screw this. I, this lifestyle is too great. I, I don't want to give it up. It's within my skill set to make these calls. I know I can provide value for these businesses. So I'm just going to do it. Yeah. There was to say, say uh, a fire was lit would be very <laughs> mild. I mean, it was just, um, there was no way, there was no way that I wasn't going to succeed. You know, once I'd made that decision two days before the trip was ending or three days, it, it was just, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, so so that was six months in two years ago, and what is what does y'all's life look like since? I mean, uh, you you guys are adding on clients, still doing a lot of social media for RV dealerships, and are, how are y'all are y'all still just bouncing around different places around the country? What does y'all's travel look like right now? Yeah, so business wise, we we do the social media now for over twenty five uh, RV dealerships. We've got a few campgrounds. We work with um, some other companies like uh, Heartland, which is a manufacturer of the Road Warrior. So, traveling wise, we've been as I mentioned earlier, forty three states in the past two and a half years. Typically, we'll go and we'll live in for three months or so at a place and then we'll do day trips and explore with everything that's within an hour, uh, you know, all the hot spots. We just got done with a mega RV surfing trip where I've always wanted to go surfing up the West coast or down, but we did from San Diego all the way to Seattle, six months of just surfing up the coast. It was uh, definitely the trip of a lifetime. That sounds awesome. And do you have some contractors that are now working with you guys on the road? or I mean, that are just remote that you're employing to, to kind of help out with some of the social media with 25 clients? Yeah. The interesting thing is once you figure out, uh, as far as for our business, I figured out every task and how long it should take. And then 
you know, we had to grow and expand. So I, I couldn't do everything. Uh, I just looked at and said, okay, well, this is how much time if I'm working day and night, how much I could put forth. Well, how many more clients can we take on? And eventually we hit that cap. So initially brought on one contractor back in California who works remotely. And so she does the majority of the posting. And then it became this thing where she really grew with the company and took on pretty much everything. And my and then we had to expand, get somebody else. So we've got two people working for us. So uh, really our job now is to go and capture the content, uh, all the videos, all the, the pictures. And I mean, obviously as a business owner, there's a lot of other things that are involved as well, making sure everything gets done and gets done correctly. Um, some of the high level stuff, I take care of Facebook ads, but it's really transformed into something where it, it the technology that we have today is so incredible. We've been connected in probably 90% of the areas that we've lived in. And if you can find a way to run a business or work remotely, just do it. it this has <laughs> turned into something that is, uh, I mean, I have to pinch myself uh, when I wake up. And the family, we've been, you know, people say family is important. I always said that too, but you know, actions speak louder than words. When I was out as an executive out in California and had my business out there, I was working all the time. And even when I came home, it was for short amounts of times and it wasn't quality time because I had a team back home. So now that we've been RVing, we've seen family more than uh, in the past two years, more than I had in probably 10 years, just because we could bring our house to them. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I, it's kind of hard for us to say because we didn't have that long spectrum of time to kind of measure against. But I know that every year we've been RVing, even our first year where we did 48 states, you know, we've been back every year for the holidays and spent a lot of time with family. That's where we are now. We're back in Texas. So I love that. And and it's interesting to me that you say I, we've lived in 43 states or we, we're living there because, I mean, I don't know. I just I thought that was interesting because, I mean, the way we typically use our terminology is we stayed, you know, we visited but I guess it's almost like a mentality thing, right? You're you're living there. Oh, we live in our home. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's and we really do treat it like that. Like, hey, this is this is where we live now. You know, for two weeks, three weeks. But we yeah. we live here. And it's just been oh, it's so fun. <laughs> if people really knew what was available with the technology and if you grind it out, if you work hard enough, more people would do this if they knew how great it could be. Yeah. And so what is, I, I want to dig into more of the sales as well, but just give me the highlight of this past year because it's it's fun to dig into, I guess, the the why of this podcast. So the, I feel like the last few episodes I've really dug into really tactically a lot of the business stuff and, you know, the entrepreneur and it's a grind, you know, to figure out the business and absolutely it's essential. But I want to know if you had to pick one moment of this past year that really epitomized why you guys decided to do this lifestyle, like whether you're out surfing or maybe half the day you were working, making calls, whatever, is there a a memory or two that come to mind? Yep. Almost every day I go hiking, (laughs) biking, surfing, something, but yeah, there, we were in Olympic national park and I woke up, spent time with the wife, spent time with the baby you know, it was one of those mornings where everything was just perfect. And then I went out that day and my goal that day was to go to as many of these beautiful beaches in, in Olympic National Park. And it was in the spring. It was just prime hiking and beauty. And I was going to go surfing. So I went to first beach, second beach, third beach, 
Rialto Beach, uh, Ruby Beach. I know that I think there's one or two others I'm not thinking about right now. I mean, I, I all in one day. And then I went back and, again, uh, spent time with the family. And that day was like, this is exactly where we're <laughs> and, and, you know, I'll always have that memory. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I think that if the time that we spent p- driving our RV up the Pacific Coast Highway, and I think there's a 30-foot limit if you want to take your RV actually on Highway 1 uh, if you're driving along the coast. But I just remember thinking, I have all these vivid memories of us sitting outside the RV, you know, watching the sunset down, go down over the Pacific Coast, eating skillet queso and hot dog. I don't know. It was just some random meal. Mm-hmm. But uh, I remember thinking, this is why I chose this life. And, you know, even with all the adversities and bad things that can go wrong and having to hustle to, to get the business going, it's it's like those memories and those, those really, really good days uh, definitely help. I heavily outweigh any of the bad because at the end of the day, you get to own what you do each day. I mean, I same with us. I mean, you know, we get to make our schedules, decide all these different factors, and that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And you know that one day that I was just talking about, the day before, I, I was in the RV and I looked out the window and noticed the sunset was unbelievable. So I ran outside. I went to my truck where my camera was, pulled it out, and I ran around the truck and I slipped on the gravel <laughs> and I, I took – a chunk out of my hand. It was just oh. nasty. It was horrible. Now, here's the thing is we had, we were on this big trip where it was a surfing trip and I hadn't, I had surfed everywhere, but I hadn't surfed yet in Washington state and we were going to leave, leave the coast. So I was bummed. I was like, I, there's no way I can surf with this hand. You know, it was, it was uh, not looking good. So then the next day when I was doing all those hiking, I said, you know what? Screw this. You know, I'm just going to do it. So to top it off, I topped off the six-month surfing trip with an evening as the sun was setting out in the in the Pacific Ocean with these huge spires or rocks, you know, in the water. It was unbelievable. Man, that that's awesome. So shifting shifting back to uh, learning more about the sales process. So if somebody wants to hit the road and they're traveling in their RV and they've got some type of client-based service business or something like that. I don't, I don't even know where to start. Give me, give me some, you know, some hardcore Eric sales tips on like, where do you go? Like, how do you actually get what you want into these different businesses? Because you did it in within a couple of weeks after you had the idea. And I, I would, you know, from my perspective, I'd say, obviously you need something where you have the skill set to provide value and your business is actually serving a need. So taking into consideration that those things are given, you've got something of value, you got the skills to pull it off. How do you actually make sure that you're getting it into, you know, these people's ears, at least from someone like you, you know, who has had this background of selling and, you know, calling over the phone and stuff. Yeah. The biggest thing was as far as getting new clients, just letting them know that we're the ones that can add the best value and why, you know, we can get the end result, which is increasing the bottom line. And, and that's what you want to focus in. The why is when you can find a niche, you know, if we just positioned ourselves as, Hey, you know, we do social media. Well, then you compete with the big boys. Then you compete with people who have the resources that there's no way, you know, us uh, Ma and Pa, you know, RV company can compete with that. But if we're in a very specific niche and we own that niche, we understand it through and through, you know, obviously for us as being social media experts and RVers, that was the, the big ticket. So if you, in when you're speaking to somebody, after you understand their need, if you just present the solution, 
then it's a numbers game. Uh, for example, I've had I've as far as call volume, I've made over 2,500 cold calls, and we've got just over 25 clients. Wow. Uh, so if you do the math on that, that's a lot of calls um, to RV dealerships. But you look at okay, wow, 25 versus 2,500. You know that's that's nothing. Um, but it's it's a great life, <laughs> you know. It's a great uh, it's a great lifestyle, great income. So as far as getting their attention, it's you you grab it by saying, hey, we can help. And the good thing about social media is not a lot of people have of even this our competition. Not a lot of them can provide anywhere near the value as us because it's very expensive for them. If you're not an RVer and you need to get pictures, you're either going to get stock bland photography or you're going to get uh, you're going to have to create it, and that's very expensive. So to be effective, we are in the right position where if we ha- have to write an article or talk about dumping the black tank, we can go do it. So it really comes down to adding value. I mean, um, when you're doing your presentation, if you can add true value, it really sells itself. I mean, selling shouldn't feel like selling, although initially it should um, <laughs> because cause you're not going to be good. You're going to suck at first. You're going to have to work with your script. And luckily, you can do that in the mirror. You can do it with a significant other. It doesn't have to be in front of in front of people until you get confident. But it's all about ironing out your your script after you figure out the value. Yeah. I mean, what's what's ironic is that I left a job in software sales. And when everyone asked me why I left, I was like, oh, I hate sales. I don't want to do it. It's it's the worst. It's it's whatever. And then I left and went to go do this hourly America project where I was working a different hourly job in every state across the country. And I'm having to cold call businesses in every state across the freaking country selling myself. And that was the ironic thing that I thought that it wasn't that I didn't like sales. I, I just didn't like having to show up in an office every day, do, you know, be on somebody else's schedule. Uh, and over time, I kind of realized that because even in the beginning, when we first started trying to find companies who would hire us for the day, I was in Vegas too, literally. I was in Vegas my first time I actually had to call <laughs> businesses to hire me. Just I, I just realized that. And I was just calling random businesses saying like, hey, I'm trying to find an hourly, you know, I'm doing this project called Hourly America and uh, I, I would love it, you know, to come show your business or work there for the day. I don't even know what I said, but I'm sure it was the worst pitch ever because no one hired me. I sat there for a week, couldn't find a job, uh, finally ended up having to do like a cop out job as a lifeguard, uh, which was fine because it counted. But over time, you know, I honed that process, figured out what worked. I got social proof, you know, hey, we've been featured here and here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, you know, I, I figured out the best time to call, the best I, I email and phone. I realized if I was calling a small business, that the best time to reach them, at least in my scenario, was to call before or after hours and then follow up with the email. So I'd leave a voicemail and follow up with an email. And what I, because, you know, if you're a, a small business owner, you have customers during the day. And so a lot of time it's hard to take time off to, to you know, go, you know, talk to some random person on the phone, even if it's a great opportunity because your customer comes first. And so if I called them, let them hear my voice, try to be personal, and then followed up with respectable links and, you know, things are a story they could research before they gave me a call back. That was, that was a really good uh, reception rate over time, but it took time to go through that process and pretty much embarrassing myself. So I think that's just natural, right? Yeah. And you hit on something that when you, when you went into your, your initial script, uh, you sounded really excited 
and excitement sells. If you believe in what you're doing, if you get excited and it, it doesn't, you know, you could sell pots and pans and get excited before you present at the end result you're trying to get, you know, pump yourself <laughs> up. I mean, really, because enthusiasm sells everybody. And I wish more people thought about this because we'd probably be a lot nicer and more respectful, but everybody is a salesman, everybody or salesperson. To sell as human, according to Daniel Pink. Right. You've read that book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so there's also a great book by Grant Cardone, um, Seller Be Sold, that touches on this subject. And, and you know, I sell my wife every day on, on being <laughs> with me. You know, I sell my, my uh, baby to listen to, or, you know, point when she wants something. You know, we're selling everybody all the time. And, and it's important to understand that. It doesn't mean that that you always should, you know, have to be a certain way. But if you're conscious about that, you know, you're, you're selling all the time and selling isn't being salesy. That's the big thing. Just provide value. If you provide value and are honest, you know, people will buy. Yeah. And, and it's so different. I think too, it's hard to even describe if you haven't felt it. But when I was doing software sales at the startup I was working at back in Austin, we were selling an employee recognition platform. And it was kind of a, I describe it as a Lexus product. It's nice to have, but nobody really needs it. And, and so therefore, while I thought it was good, I wasn't all in, if that makes sense. And now, mm -hmm. even with talking with prospective customers for, with Campground Booking, this new software that we're building for campground owners to run their campground and accept online reservations, I, I literally don't feel like I'm selling. I feel like whenever I get on the call with them, I am helping them make their business better. And I 100% believe that, know that I can provide value, feel like I'm on their team. And I, I just genuinely feel like I'm talking to a friend and because I'm, you know, I'm just talking to them regular. I'm not trying to put on a front if they don't, you know, if they're not feeling it, they don't want to do it. Totally fine. But I know what we have is good. I know it's going to help them. And I think that's the key too, right? I mean, people think that they have to feel slimy or a certain way. But I think if you know if you're genuinely helping somebody uh, and you're not just BSing yourself, that it, it totally changes the game. Yeah. And I think, or I, I know that that salesy type of perception that people give, those aren't salespeople. Those are amateurs. And when I say amateurs, they're not using professional tactics. For example, you've got to know your stuff. When I, when I was calling and, and all these dealerships, you better believe every single reason that, you know, that people told me, no, I documented that, took the top seven things I was hearing. And then I came up with three to five responses that I memorized for each one per scenario. I mean, I had it down to a science. So you've got to take those steps to to know what you're talking about so that you can say with confidence what your what the response is for the question and i think that if people if they position themselves to where i'm just giving the information you need to make an educated decision and i know my stuff you know this and, and you are an expert it really again it, it's not that salesy you're just you're just presenting the information that you have and they'll make the right decision yeah absolutely that makes sense and uh, shifting gears a little bit, do you, do you feel like having a blog has helped? I know I can speak from my own personal experience, but I want to hear you. Do you feel like having a blog uh, has helped you in some way get some of these clients? Yeah. And you had um, touched on, I, I can't remember the word you'd used, but yeah, we leveraged our blog and that was the opportunity that I was looking for. That social proof. That was our social proof. Because when I called the dealerships, I our website was a tab. Actually, if you go to our shorelooksnice.com, you'll see that tab. That's it. Uh, it's been developed a little bit better from when it started. 
But we said, and I also want you to explore our site, you know, see where the real deal living in an RV. So that social social proof really helped. But also we do blogging for our clients. And without doing the blogging, I mean, I would really struggle with writing. I think that blogging is is such a healthy thing to do and and not only in skills, but you know, focusing your mind on something and making yourself put it into words, I think is a, a really healthy a healthy thing. But it's really I mean that's how we got started is that social proof. Yeah. Hey, check out our blog. <laughs> you know, we're we're doing what you need. We're doing social media. Check out our social media channels. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that for us, a lot of people talk about, you know, there's so many different ways to monetize. I just interviewed a girl named Michelle who does, it's kind of crazy. She's a full-time RVer, but she does, she's been doing over six figures a month on her blog, just insane traffic and, you know, big blog that she's built up called Making Sense of Sense. It's one of the last episodes, but she, you know, there's also a lot of other ways to monetize a blog, not directly. And you guys, and same with us, we've, we've really used it a lot as a business card. Like we do affiliate links and, you know, we've, I have the, the RV entrepreneur ebook and we have our hourly American documentary for sale. So we, we're selling products. We have a couple of things on there too, but really a lot of it has come from brand partnerships working. You know, we work with Winnebago now and all these other people and they can come there, get to know who you are, see what you're about, get, you know, get a feeling, you know, who you are as a person. It's a great sales tool. It really is. Well, it's, it's fantastic. And you said really a business card. I mean, that's how we've positioned it. We haven't made any money from our blog. Um, not that we couldn't, but we've just kept it where we want it to be just that business card. And then also once you've got work with some big name clients and good work. You know, it, you, it's got to be good to work. But once you've got some social proof with clients, then it becomes even easier. I mean, some of our dealerships are some of the biggest in the country. And, you know, to do the job that we've done for them and, and we continue to earn their business every single month, you know, says something when, when a prospect is looking at you. Absolutely. What would you say has been the biggest struggle uh, while you're after you've already got some of these initial clients, just the biggest struggle of running the business while you guys are on the road? The biggest struggle, well, I would say it hasn't been an issue for us. I'll touch on both. I think that the type of business that we have, it's really tough to have contractors that you can trust, but we've done a pretty good job. We feel vetting and we haven't had that issue. As far as running it on the road, you know, individually for us with not an outside source, Staying connected hasn't been that big of an issue. I would say time. It's it's really been a challenge when we've got a baby. I've got a wife that loves to come and interrupt me because, you know, she would just like to hang out. Yeah. Or or to change a diaper for her, you know, whatever. So it's being available all the time. I think the discipline to stay focused and put in the work is is a challenge for anybody who works at home and who's got people run around, you know, under the same roof. So we've had to be very conscious about that. Yeah. Have you had anything that in particular that has helped you manage your time better and not waste time? That's a, that's probably my biggest, one of my biggest struggles on the road too, or just in general. It's like, plus I have a little bit of shiny ball syndrome where, you know, I'm like, Oh, you know, that, that looks fun. Let's go do that. And uh, let's, you know, let's travel to all 50 States, make a documentary. And I, now I'm going to start a business and doing this. And, you know, I, in, those are things that have been spread out over a couple of years, but you get the point. So I mean, I'm just interested, you know, how have you, how have you tried to become better at that? Yeah, I've got it too. And especially it's, it's, um, it's tough when you know that there's some crazy, amazing hike only six miles away, you know, that you could do for sunrise. <laughs> so 
it's been when I say it's it's been a challenge. It really has. And if I did a typical nine to five, or if I worked eight or ten hours a day, you know, it, this wouldn't happen. And I want to be very clear about that. People look at you know what we're doing. You know, oh yeah, we're you know traveling and this is great. We're making all this money. You know, it's it's great, but it takes a lot of work. So I'll get up in the morning, usually about nine o'clock or so, depending, you know, give or take an hour and get to it. And then I'll work until, um, usually a couple hours before, um, the baby's going to go down. And after I get up, I also will often do a hike or go and take the baby for a walk or play with her. Um, but then I get right to work after spending 30 minutes or so, uh, doing something productive for myself. So grind all day, hang out with the baby and the wife and we have quality time, have supper. And then after we put the baby to bed, I'll spend uh, some time with Danielle, put her to bed. And then once she goes to bed, I get up and I get to work and I'll grind usually two out of three days. I'll do this and I'll work until three, 4 AM. The past few nights have been up till 7 AM just grinding away because that's, there's no distractions. There's nothing that's going to stop me from being effective. So I'll work through the night and then the third day I'll catch up on my sleep. And <laughs> and, and I'm serious. Uh, this has been uh, for a long time. I've been on this schedule because the gain of having this lifestyle and striking when the iron's hot is is definitely worth, you know, putting through. I mean, nobody wants to get a, be tired, but when you're excited about the opportunity, you know, it pushes that uh, that sleep away. Yeah, absolutely. What would you what would you say success looks like for you in this lifestyle? Freedom of time and money and um and being happy and healthy, happy in relationships, happy in, you know, with uh family and and non-family, happy with yourself, and then of course health. I mean, without health, uh none of this matters if you're not taking care of your body. Absolutely. So maybe maybe a few less uh 7 a.m. nights. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, and this is way before this is not political in any way, but I, I read a book and I read that Donald Trump, this is years ago, way before he was ever, but I read that he only slept like three hours a night. And then like a few days later, I read a book from Arnold Schwarzenegger and he only slept three days or three hours a night. And I was like, huh, there might be something to this. So I've tested a few different things. I can't run at a pace like, you know, like some of those uh, guys can, but I've definitely been very conscious about seeing how productive, how much I can get out of, out of my day without sleeping it away. And I mean, you can, you can sleep when you're dead, but I just get too excited about life. I mean, it really, why would you want to be asleep? I mean, don't get me wrong when I'm tired. I want to. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, we're, while we're being honest here, I, I definitely sleep eight hours a night every night. <laughs> I, I mean, it's not that I don't work hard. I, I really do. Um, I just, and, and every now and, and I, now that we're getting campground booking off the ground too, I'm so excited. It is hard to go to bed, honestly, because I want to be working and I'm excited to wake up the next day. But I also am one of those people that sleep has always just been, I have to have it. And I, maybe I'm just soft. I don't know, but I love my sleep, and uh, I even I even have this, I have this album on my Facebook page that's like uh, I call myself a dreamer or something like that, and it was basically me growing up through the years asleep in random places because I would just pass out way before everybody, uh, and that's still pretty much accurate. But <laughs> hilarious, you know. One thing on a, I guess going back to the business aspect, one thing that's been a game changer, and I I feel so passionate about this that anybody, and I mean anybody, that can get 
YouTube or internet, whether it's a public library, anybody can be successful and that's all you need. The social media. So yeah, I got training in the past. Well, everything I got trained on other than the concepts is outdated. Everything we've learned has been either from YouTube or learning from blogs. And one thing that has totally changed my life is, and I can, I I can, you can either do this by putting in extra hours or a lot of what I do video editing, I can listen and I can consume information, you know, with my ears as I work. But I made the commitment that I would listen to six hours every single day of learning something. It could be learning on a relationship, on business, on marketing, on sales, on, I mean, different areas of, of it could be World War II history, but six hours a day, six days a week, I was going to learn. And I've been doing that now for um, at least two years and it's completely changed my life. Wow. I love that. Well, uh, I want to wrap up Eric, but tell me where people can learn more about you and, uh, you know, follow you guys and interact with you all on social. Yeah. Any social media channel that uh, is your flavor or just go to our website, shore, like the shoreline shore looks nice.com. I love it, man. Well, thanks so much for, for being on the podcast with me and, uh, keep up the great work back at you. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to grab the show notes, all the links we talk about, hit up Eric, head on over to heathandalyssa.com forward slash episode 39. Thanks again to Leisure Travel Vans for sponsoring episodes of this podcast. If you haven't already checked out Leisure, jump on Google, type in Leisure Travel Vans, and go look at some of their RVs. They're beautifully made, and actually my specific favorite is the Unity. It's a 25-foot rig, so if you're in a Class C, Class B style RVs, they may be a great fit for you. Check them out. Also, I want to end and do something a little bit different on the podcast. This is an experiment, so indulge me if you will. If you're listening right now and you're currently in the transition of starting a business that you're trying that you're going to run remotely, or you're already doing that, or you're just doing a cool project while you're traveling, send me an email so I can talk about it on the end of the podcast. I want to start highlighting cool projects that listeners are doing from the community. Because I can only interview so many people, and it's kind of funny as a side note, because I thought when I first started this podcast that I was going to run out of people very soon of who were running businesses from their RVs. And the thing is, I just keep finding more and more people. And so even if I can't interview everyone, I still want to highlight and tell people about what you're doing. So send me an email, heath at campgroundbooking.com, so I can share your story. And in that email, just tell me what business you're launching and a little bit of your backstory that I can include here at the end of the show. Thank you guys again for tuning in and listening, and I'll see you next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.